Hello and welcome to the second episode of the Investing Snowball Podcast. My name is Hayden and I'm coming to you from California. Today's episode is going to focus on two of the foundational pieces of any person's finances. And that is a checking and a savings account. This is a topic that I really enjoy because typically most people don't really pay too much attention to where they store their money. Before I get started, let me just say that I'll be mentioning several companies and their products during the course of this podcast. I'm not making any specific recommendations and you should conduct your own due diligence before choosing a bank or a specific product. So what's the big deal with bank accounts and why should you care where you put your money? Well, to start, bank accounts are maintained by banks or financial institutions for the purpose of storing your, the depositor's, money. As I see it, there are really three main upsides to storing your money in a bank account with a financial institution or a bank. The first, of course, is security. Let's be honest, keeping all of your money in cash at home really isn't setting yourself up for success. It's not safe and it's not doing anything for you. Bank accounts offer a safe means of storing your money because your money is less likely to be stolen and because it's insured. You should only put your money in bank accounts maintained by institutions that are insured by the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. Most people refer to it as the FDIC. The FDIC typically insures bank accounts up to $250,000. So if your bank fails, you won't lose your money that you had in your account as long as it's less than $250,000. A couple caveats with that number is that um, sometimes it can vary depending if you have a joint account or um, certain types of investment accounts, but typically the $250,000 insurance number applies to single individual accounts. If you have multiple accounts, you can have multiple accounts that are insured up to that value. It's never smart or prudent to have more than $250,000 in a single account because anything over that number is not insured. Second is accessibility. Having a bank account allows you to have better access to your to your money in really two ways. You can hook your account up to various mobile payment options, whether it be Apple Pay or, you know, you name it. There's a bunch. But you also can have a debit card. Now, that's mainly specific with um, checking accounts. But debit cards allow you to pay with funds from your account pretty much anywhere. Now, we're going to talk about how there there can potentially be some fees um, depending where you actually make purchases. But that being said, the third is interest. And I have to say, on my note sheet, I have a big asterisk next to this one. And we're going to talk about why um, right now. When you choose to put your money in a bank account, the institution that maintains your account will pay you interest on the money that you've deposited with them. They do this because the bank takes the money that you deposit and it lends a portion of it out to other customers in the form of loans. And the bank makes money off the interest for those loans. Now, interest rates vary a great deal depending on the type of account that you have and the institution you choose to do business with. It's because of all of this variation in interest rates paid to depositors that we should all care and pay attention to where we put our money. As I mentioned at the start of this episode, 
There are really two main categories of bank accounts everyone should have, a savings account and a checking account. Now, I believe that savings and checking, not, they're both pretty much on equal footing. I don't think one is more important than the other. I think everyone should have both because they're really meant, as the name suggests, for completely different uses. So first, let's talk about savings accounts. Typically, people use savings accounts to store cash that they'll need in less than one year and for storing an emergency fund. Now, we're going to talk about an emergency fund soon, um, but we're not going to do that today. Savings accounts typically pay higher interest rates than checking accounts, and they usually have limitations on the number of withdrawals depositors are allowed to make on a monthly basis. The number I see is six. I think it's, it's a pretty standard number, so depositors are usually only allowed six withdrawals, and that is, um, uh, that's a federal rule. That's not necessarily a bank-by-bank -bank rule. But not all savings accounts are made equal. I want to compare two popular banks to kind of see the difference. The first bank is going to be a brick and mortar, and that's going to be Chase. And the second is an online bank, that's Ally Bank. Full disclosure, I am a customer of Ally Bank. I do think they have great products, but they're um, a great bank for this example. So for a Chase savings account, you have a $5 maintenance fee if you don't have a minimum balance of $300. Now, that means that if your account drops below $300 in a given month, you will automatically be charged $5 to quote-unquote maintain your account. They also only pay depositors 0.01% on their balances. Now, personally, um, I think... Both of those are, are horrible. Um, maintenance fees, it's just a way to, in my opinion, it's just a way to, to take more money from your customers. And 0.01% interest is really just, it's really bad. Um, and you're going to see kind of how bad it is in a minute. However, Chase has one significant advantage over online banks. And that is that Chase has physical branches for customers. Now, for me, I really don't care about physical branches because I don't do a lot with cash. If I get a check, I just do the mobile deposit, but otherwise I pretty much have everything set up on direct deposit. So I very rarely, and it's usually for non-necessary um, things, go into a branch, um, which is why I decided to ultimately switch to an online bank. But that is something to consider um, and we're going to talk about that a little bit more in a minute. Now let's look at Ally Bank savings accounts. Ally Bank's accounts have no maintenance fees and no minimum balances. And that's the way I think it should be. Ally also, this is as of today, so this could change tomorrow, but, but this is what it is today. Um, they pay 1.50% interest um, on depositors' balances. Now... That's obviously significantly more than 0.01%, but Ally doesn't have physical locations. So again, if that's really important to you, um, Ally is probably not the right bank for you, but you can do research to figure out what brick and mortar banks actually pay higher interest. I know um, credit unions are sometimes a great option if you have a local credit union. Um, I don't have research on, on credit unions in front of me, so... 
I'm not going to talk about that too much, but I do know while I was looking around, that was an option that I considered. Now, the obvious question is, okay, 0.01% interest, 1.5, like those seem like really low numbers. So does 1.5% interest really make that much of a difference? In my opinion, it absolutely does. Let's just look at an example. If you had $1,000 in your account with Chase in one year, you would earn 10 cents. With Ally, after one year, you would earn $15. And again, for one year, oh, 15 bucks, like it may not seem like a lot, but let's now imagine that you have your $1,000 in your savings account for 40 years. At Chase, after 40 years, not adjusting the, um, the value of your account, you would end up with $1,040. With Ally, $1,821. So that $720 difference may not seem like a lot, but just imagine as you add to your account how much more that number could grow. When picking a savings account as a whole, I would just recommend looking at interest rates and fees. Like the example that I just gave, there are pros and cons to each. Personally, like I said, I use Ally Bank. I used to use a big name bank, but honestly, I got sick and tired of the minuscule interest payments, so I just switched. I would say that if you're a young person, um, most of us don't really deal with cash anymore. And if we do get paid in cash for like little, you know, like a side gig or something like that, it's usually not in huge amounts of cash. So typically, you I, you know, you might just use that as you're spending money. I know that that's what I do. Um, so I have found that physical locations aren't really as necessary as they used to be. But again, this is going to be on a case by case basis. And maybe those physical locations are something that you absolutely need. It's really going to be personal to you. Let's talk about checking accounts. Checking accounts are where we really start to see the big differences between banks, in my opinions, because this is where you're going to see more fees. I'm going to use another comparison to show some of the differences. And again, I'm going to use Chase. I'm not trying to pick on Chase. It's just from the research that I've done, most of the big brick and mortar banks, they're pretty much interchangeable. So I just figured keep using Chase because I had their information right in front of me. And um, for online, we're going to use Charles Schwab Bank checking account. Now, again, full disclosure, I do use Charles Schwab um, for their checking accounts. Um, and I do think that they have great products. But again, you're going to have to do your own research. And they may not necessarily be the um, right provider for you. So for Chase's checking account, their standard checking account, they have a $12 monthly fee. Now, this fee can be waived with a minimum balance of $1,500 or direct deposit of $500. And of course, because they have $1,500 minimum balance, they pay no interest on that balance. You get charged a fee for using non-Chase ATMs, and you get charged a 3% fee on international transactions. Um, from my research, Chase's fees are, like I said before, fairly standard when it comes to large brick-and-mortar banks. There's slight variations, but yeah, we're we're not really looking at the specifics and specifically comparing, you know, Chase to Wells Fargo. To, we're just kind of taking a broad view of the differences between the brick and mortars and the onlines. Um, personally, I, I if I was a Chase customer, I would be really angry 
because a $1,500 balance on a standard checking account is ridiculous to me. Um, there are a couple other ways it can be waived, like if you have a college account and stuff like that, but um, I never keep $1,500 in my checking account, and I probably, I mean, if my daily or weekly expenses got up high enough, I would, but you're not going to be in a standard checking account. You're going to have you're going to have an upgraded checking account more than likely or a business account. Um so $1500 minimum balance is really really high and especially if you're a young person. Um my strategy has always been to keep as much money as I can in my savings account earning higher interest um because most checking accounts pay no interest or very low interest. That that's not the point of the checking account. The checking account is is for spending. The savings account is for the interest. Now let's talk a little bit about Schwab. Schwab has no monthly fee, no minimum balance, unlimited ATM rebates, which means that because Schwab doesn't really have ATMs, you can go to ATMs and Schwab will reimburse you the ATM fees. Um, they also have no foreign transaction fees and they pay 0.03% interest, which you know, it's not really necessary that they pay interest on their checking account, but it is nice. Excuse me, I just need a drink of water. In my opinion, these two accounts don't even compare. Schwab is clearly much better for depositors. And like I said, the thing that drives me crazy is the minimum balance and the direct deposit requirements. You know, $500 direct deposit may not necessarily seem like a lot, but I think that really depends on where you live in the country because, you know, minimum wages are different in different states, you know, it, it, depending on when you enter the economy, you may not necessarily have the, the job that's paying you the salary that you want when you graduate. And so you may not even be able to meet that and bam, you're going to get charged a $12 fee. Like, if you don't have the $1,500 balance, like that just doesn't seem right to me. And I just don't feel like the brick and mortar checking accounts as a whole really offer customers the best options. And again, that's my opinion, but I really feel that way. Um, so let's, what are some things to look for? First and foremost, when it comes to checking accounts, look at the fees. For a checking account, interest rates are not that important because you shouldn't be carrying your large balances in your checking account. You should only be carrying the money that you're going to have to spend. Checking accounts are for spending. Savings accounts are for saving. And again, just to reiterate, checking accounts pay less interest, either very low or zero, than savings accounts. So make sure that you keep as much money in your savings account earning interest as possible. And as far as fees are concerned, look for the standard stuff like maintenance fees, but also consider your lifestyle. Different banks sometimes have promotions that may be more in line with the lifestyle that you live. For me, as I mentioned when I was going over the, um, the differences between the banks, a big thing for me was the foreign transaction fees. I'm big on traveling and I plan on doing a lot more traveling as I get older and I really don't want to be paying foreign transaction fees 
And I also don't want to have to go and take out a bunch of currency at the bank before I go so that I don't have to use my cards. I would rather um, have the peace of mind that if I need to use a debit card while I'm abroad, I'm not going to get charged the fee. So that was something that was part of my lifestyle that I considered while I was looking at um, the different options that were available to me. So, so keep in mind and consider your lifestyle and your lifestyle goals going forward. So as we kind of wrap up, I thought I'd just give some broad strategic advice on choosing where to have your bank accounts. First, do lots of research to really see what options are out there. I've really only talked about a few, and trust me, there are tons and tons of options. And though out of the, the few that I've mentioned, I'm sure that for most of you, the, the options that I chose will would not be the right ones for you. And also, things change fairly quickly in the bank account world. So always make sure to do your research. Interest rates change all the time especially in the economic situation that we're in now. You know, interest rates have just changed. They've just been lowered. But do your research. Also, don't be afraid to have a savings account with one institution and a checking with another. I feel like people usually assume that it's easier to just have both accounts with one place. But I personally have had a different experience. Like I said, I have my savings with Ally and my checking with Schwab. And I don't have an issue having accounts with two separate institutions. What I found is that one institution ally had the best option for me when it came to savings accounts. And another institution, Schwab, had the best option for my checking account. There's nothing wrong with mixing and matching. Everything's digital anyways. So you can always transfer money back and forth and you don't really have to think twice about doing that especially if you're using institutions that don't really charge you fees. That's really all I have for you today. And I really hope that you enjoyed the podcast and um, I'll be back soon and have a great rest of your day. Thanks for tuning in.